0: Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares.
1: We need with God's help to do less damage with our words and the only way that we can, in the most basic way I should say, that we can do that is to restrain the volume of our words. So let's just say this, if this is the average uh, 154,000 words we speak every week, let's see if we can get it down to maybe 100 and I guarantee you we're gonna leave out a lot of sin that we would have spoke with the extra 50,000 words. Let's just speak less.
0: Have you ever encountered someone who talks too much? Most of their words may be idle chatter, but with many words comes a serious risk of causing harm. The Bible says that to avoid wounding someone with our words, we must learn to tame our tongue. So how can we do it? Well, I'm Dave Drouy. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares begins a series of lessons called The Wisdom from Proverbs. And now here's Pastor Mike with a message called Managing Your Emotions and Taming Your Tongue.
1: You know, it is uh, said that we speak about 22,000 words per day. 22,000 words per day. Now, just thinking about the, the voluminous amount of words that we speak, I mean, it should give us pause. Particularly because the Bible says that uh, your words and mine—they have consequences. Uh, they make a—they make a difference. They—they uh, they are a great impact on uh, on people, both for good and for bad, and. More than that, as Jesus often said, we will be uh, held accountable for the words that we speak. It will be a day of, uh, of, of reviewing uh, the volumes in our library to see how we did with our words. Now, there's not a, any question, if you're going to write a book about wisdom, you'd better spend a lot of those uh, proverbs speaking about how we talk and what we say and what's appropriate and what's not. And uh, that's what we find in the 31-chapter book called Proverbs. We find, and I counted these myself, 177, uh, about 170 to 177 Proverbs, some are iffy, on what um, the the wisdom of God is about how you and I should speak. So that's a lot of Proverbs about this one topic. As a matter of fact, next to the fear of God, it's hard to find another topic that's as prominent as how you and I speak and what we do with our words. And it's... uh, really something that we see connected from time to time in the Scripture in a very obvious way, the fear of God and how we speak. We saw it last week, if you recall. And that is when we saw that scene in Isaiah 6, we turned to that and we saw Isaiah getting the vision of God high and exalted, seated on a throne. We've got the antiphonal song of the angels going on, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. I mean, it is a real humbling scene. And here is the comparatively most holy guy in Israel who's going around talking about all the injustices and sin problems in, in Israel for the first five chapters. And now in chapter 6, he sees the Lord high and exalted, and his first response Is Woe to me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. See, the first conviction, even for the most holy among us, if you were to stand in God's presence for a while, would probably be, without a doubt, it would certainly include your conviction over the way you use your words. And the next line was, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And the reason that was so obvious is really the next line in that verse, which is, uh, for my eyes have seen... If you see the glory of God, you start to see the, uh, the sin of our words. I'd like you to turn to Proverbs 28 just to get started here and, and recognize that just as a preview, I know what's going to happen in this sermon for most of you. Unless you're going to sleep through it, you're going to you're feel some conviction Because we do need to spend a little time looking at what kinds of things that we do that make our our words unclean and our lips and our mouths less than holy. So to just itemize those, and we could spend all day, if you had until 6, I mean, we could spend all afternoon looking at the 170 or so Proverbs about our words, and, uh, and, and we could catalog them all. But, but just to sample some of them is going to lead us to conviction. And, and here's my problem with a lot of people that feel conviction in sermons or even when they read the Bible. That's all they do. They feel conviction. They feel bad that they're not doing it better. They feel bad that they don't live up to God's standard. Conviction has got a, a there's a point to conviction. It's supposed to take us somewhere. Conviction is to move us beyond bad feelings to a particular action. It's spelled out for us in a verse we looked at last week, but let's look at it again, verse 13 of chapter 28. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Now you might think, well, I feel bad about them, I'm not concealing them, but if we don't do anything more, we really haven't dealt with our sin. The next line, though, says, but he who confesses, that means we agree with God that what I've said is not what it ought to be, and forsakes them. Well, that's the person that finds mercy. See, if we want forgiveness, which we all should want when we feel conviction, then we're going to have to let our conviction get us to the place of repentance, and repentance is all about confessing and forsaking our sin. Now, I know this can be discouraging because we can, we can spend the hour talking about our words and then we can uh, say, well, I can never be successful in this completely. I mean, if I'm really pouring out a 500-page tome every week of the things that I say, well, I, clearly you're going to have to highlight things every week and, and there'll be errors and things that I shouldn't say. And that's true. But my goal is that uh, last week's volume... Uh, will have less areas that need to be redacted um, than, than this week's volume. I, I, I often say it, but I, I know that we are concerned that we can't be sinless, but we can sin less, and that's the goal when it comes to our words. So as you feel some conviction, because we need to spend time, what are the areas where, that make our lips unclean that we say that are not right— uh, Please know that we've got to get to that place. So I want us to write that down before we ever look at the kinds of problems that we have. And as you feel the pangs of conviction in the first few minutes of this message, I want you to wholeheartedly repent of, quote-unquote, unclean lips, of words that are less than what they should be. Because I know that we like to think that it's those people that do it wrong, but if you really define the words about the kinds of things that we say that are not clean, they're not holy, I think we'll get to the place of recognizing that applies to us, and when you feel that, I need you in your heart, you don't need to be audible about it, but you need to confess and forsake those things. Even if you think, wow, I can't imagine not doing that, well, we're gonna, we're gonna see if we can come up with some strategies in Proverbs that will help us to curtail those unclean statements and phrases so let's start let's start with a word that i know we don't want to qualify for but when we define it we start to see well yeah that is probably a part of everyone's conversation chapter 10 and i want to turn there we'll stay in proverbs verse 18 the one who conceals hatred has lying lips let's just think about that for a second Conceals hatred. It, it, there's a you got all the people in your life that you interact with. There are people on that list that you don't like. There are things that you do that that that, that conceal that because that wouldn't be appropriate. But there's another outlet for it. Look at the next phrase here that most of us fall into. Whoever utters slander uh, is a fool. Here's what slander is. Let's put a definition down. For we're talking about things we need to repent of, here's one. When we embellish, enhance, or speculate, I know that's a lot to write down. When we embellish, enhance, or speculate about the bad in the life of someone I don't like. Okay? When I embellish with my words, when I enhance with my words, or when I speculate with my words, about the bad in the life of the person that I don't like. Now that can make us feel, if we think about the holiness of God, a bit of conviction. It's easy to do. It's easy for us to take the magnifying glass on the person that I'm upset with, mad at, and put it right there and enhance the bad in their life. The thing that I know will get other people to raise their eyebrow and go, really? Jim's like that? Jim said that? Jim did that? And just to make it a little bit bigger than it is. It's an embellishment. It's lying. And we lie about the people we don't like. We lie to their face by acting like we we don't hate them as much. And we lie behind their back by embellishing and expanding the things that are bad in their lives to other people. It's a kind of lying. And it needs to stop when we think about the things in our lives that need to be extracted. The things that need to be redacted in our 500 pages of speech this week. Well, the inverse of that, and I find it often you know, follows hard upon our slander. There's another word in the Scripture you need to see. It's found in Proverbs 27, which is something that helps our case, but it's got a different object. It's not about our enemies, but often it's in light of our enemies, the people that we don't like. We want to put them down by magnifying, embellishing, enhancing, speculating about their bad. But then when we turn the conversation to ourselves, there's another kind of lying that takes place. As a matter of fact, it's so you're so prone to lie about yourself when you talk in this particular category that Proverbs chapter 27 says, don't even start. Don't even start. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the good in your life, let's let someone else talk about it. Because when you talk about it, you will embellish, you will enhance the good in your own life. We all have that propensity. So here's the command in verse number two. Let, the, let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Don't even get in the habit of talking about your own victories because when you do, the natural tendency is to enhance them and the word that we got introduced to in verse number one, which we haven't read yet, is the word you should circle. It's the third word in verse number one and it is the thing that we should never do. Do not, what? Boast. See, that's the enhancement. It is, it is the, the aggrandizement. It's the, it's the enlarging. It's putting the magnifying glass on the good in my life and making it sound just a little bit bigger and a little bit better than it actually is. It's boasting. So if embellishing, enhancing, and speculating about the bad and the rival is a tendency of human beings when we speak about our, our rival or our enemy, then when we talk about ourselves, our tendency is to speculate or enhance or embellish the things that are good in us. Okay? Well, that's when I speak bad about someone I don't like and good about me. But there is a time, and it's equally as sinful, when I speak good about someone that I don't really like sincerely have good words to say about. That's called flattery. It's in the last verse of chapter 26. It's right above where we're reading. Look at that verse. It says this in Proverbs 26, 28. It says, a lying tongue hates its victims, right? I don't tell the truth. There's something fueling that. It's not about them. It's a disregard for them. It's really about us. Here's the parallelism. A flattering mouth, circle that, it it works ruin. It's not about your good when I give you that insincere praise. It's, it's about my good. So I got slander. That's when I embellish and enhance bad in the person I don't like. Then I've got boasting when I embellish and enhance the good in my life. And then there's times at work, you know, in circles at church, in our neighborhood, where I'm going to enhance something in you insincerely for my advantage. That's what flattery is. And I know that it'll make me look good if I say this right thing to you, and if I say it to you and it's a good thing and it's not completely true and I really don't believe it, I'm insincere about it, but it's what, it's what you want to hear. And so I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, and it'll make you like me. It may make you buy from me. It may make you promote me. It may make you think good of me. And I often try to give this to people who say, well, my whole industry is based on flattery or my, my whole, you know, my, my, my job is based on that. Listen, I, we all interact with, with, with companies and vendors and salespeople, and, and you need to trust that God can do more with, with diplomacy and the truth, right, truthful statements than you can do with a lie. I mean, I, let me shorten that. You need to trust that God can do more with the truth than you can do with a lie. Not to mention that most of us customers, when we go to deal with your business, we can look through all that nonsense, and we find, when we find someone who's sincere and honest, right, we trust them. And it's hard for you to lose me as a client when I really believe that what you're telling me is not flattery, and it's not aggrandizement for your advantage, but it's something honest and accurate. So I don't care what your industry is, you need to trust God And you need to begin to put away flattery because flattery has some damaging effects. It works ruin. It works ruin when just to be nice, you tell someone they're really good at something when they're not really good at something. And then they get into areas where you need to be good at something and they're not good at something, but they're believing that they're good at something because you said they were good at something, but they're not. Right? Think about it. Happens in church all the time because that's the Christian thing to do, you know, to try and say nice things. So, you know, he gets up there and does something and leads a group or does a Sunday school lesson and you go, oh, that was great. And then you go home and go, oh, not really. Tell your wife it wasn't really, but, you know, I want to be nice. What if he pursues some track, some avenue in the church because you flattered him, right? That's the last thing we need in church is more people who think they're good at doing something and they're not doing it, right? I don't need any of that. We don't need that. So we don't need flattery. We don't need insincere aggrandizement, embellishment, enhancement of something in someone's life just because it's what they want to hear. And if we look through our little, you know, record, the imaginary record of your 500 pages from this week, I wonder how much would be slander, I wonder how much would be boasting, and I wonder how much would be flattery. And by the way, have you noticed they're all connected with this thing called lying because they're not true? Next to all of that, if you're taking notes, jot down chapter 12, verse 22, because here's the bottom line on that. And if you stood before God, I think you'd realize this. 12.22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And that includes flattery, boasting, and slander. Now, if any of that gives you a little twinge of conviction, confess it to God and forsake it. Tell God, don't say, yeah, you're right, I feel bad about that. Don't just feel bad. Let bad feelings motivate repentance. And repentance is, God, you're right. Boy, I need to have less of that in next week's volume of words from me. As it goes into the annual bookcase of things that I say, I want less flattery, I want less slander, and I want less less boasting. There's another kind of talk that Proverbs is really down on, And it's hard because it's so prevalent among us today. But would you turn to chapter 18 and just to look at another area that we need to be sensitive to in our sanctification, our Christian growth and life. It's characterized by a word in Proverbs that it's translated uh, in the ESV very literally, a whisperer, a whisperer. And when you read Whisperer" in, in Proverbs, you need to know that what we're referring to is someone who is what we generally call a gossip. And you can tell when it's gossip because people's voice gets quieter. Did you hear about, Did you hear about Susie's husband? Oh Let me tell you about that. that was: a, a lot of times your, your lips don't even move as much. Let me tell you about that. That was something. Now, I know we Christians, we don't gossip. We just share prayer requests, right? <laughs> but when you think about your prayer requests, I know the difference between a prayer request and gossip, and the difference is whether your volume goes down. And I love that about gossip in the ESV, very literally translated, when your voice goes down. The whisper." Take a look at it here in chapter 18, verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They go down into the inner parts of the body. Someone bought me some brownies this week, and my wife made fudge. It was a bad week for me. (laughs) If there's ever anything that pops into my mind when I read the words, delicious morsel, it's that little inch square of fudge or the three-inch square of brownies. My wife cut me a little piece in this, and I thought, I don't need anything, a dessert. And she said, oh, just, and I said, just a sliver. She cut me a little sliver of that. Once I had a sliver of those brownies last night, oh, I said, you can cut me a bigger piece. Let's, let's go round two, right? And I ate a two-inch square, which equals a three-inch square, which is more than I should have eaten. And, and fudge, by the way. Wow, can we talk about fudge a little bit? If you're going to make me fudge this Christmas, I like it without nuts. (laughs) Because you can eat that fudge and it just melts in your, I love it. So good. So good. Fudge is good. Now, when you share your juicy prayer request, I mean, when you gossip, see, people, it's like passing out cubes of fudge. People love it. They feed on it. They, they, They desire it. It is an insatiable desire. As the old uh, British poet put it, there is a lust in us that no charm can tame of freely publishing our neighbor's shame. Hence on eagle's wings, immortal scandals fly, while virtuous actions are but born and die. Boy, if we could share the victories of our neighbor as frequently and ardently as we share the failures of our neighbor, we'd have a whole different kind of neighborhood and a whole different kind of church, and you'd have a whole different kind of office that you worked in, but we have an insatiable desire for it. You want to define gossip? Here's my definition of gossip, right? There's a couple facets to it. Here's one facet to it. Sticking your nose in business that isn't yours. No need for you. This is why, by the way, gossip is so rampant in churches. Here's why. Because we have, a, we have an excuse. It's called prayer. Prayer requests. See, now I got a reason that I need to know Susie's husband, Jim, and what he's doing. I got, I, tell me more. I need to pray specifically about this. We love it. We want to hear more. And now I know why I, I, I need to know because I need to pray. Can you, can you pray more generally, perhaps? Than satisfying your perverse appetite to hear about Jim's sin, let's just step back and recognize God knows the details, and we can just pray a little more generally about it. Let's be uh, let's be done with sticking our nose in business that we don't have any interest in. Here's another part of it in Proverbs: a whisperer likes to reveal bad in people, like the old poet said. Uh, it's it's the uncovering of what should be kept secret. And you want a good picture of this, the whisper is is described here in, in chapter 17, verse 9. 179. You're in 188. Look at 179. Whoever covers an offense, right? In other words, they're not interested in proclaiming it or talking about it. They cover it. When Jim is told to be such a rat, and and and, and Susie's friend is telling you so you can pray, and and you cover that, then you seek love. That's a loving thing to do. But he who repeats a matter. Oh, well, i got to tell you, about did you, did you hear about... did you hear about Jim? Then uh, you're going to separate close friends, starting probably with Susie and Jim. Right? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't help them recover. It doesn't help them rebuild. It doesn't help them uh, reconstitute or reconcile when there's people around uh, uncovering secrets, covering an offense or relaying an offense. That's the difference between the, the gossip and the virtuous person. Is there time to pray? Absolutely. Time to seek help? Sure. But you know what I'm talking about. There's a line to be drawn between gossip and real Christian intervention in people's lives.
0: An important reminder from Pastor Mike Fabares. This is Focal Point, and you're listening to a message called Managing Your Emotions and Taming Your Tongue. Now, the entire series is available anytime at FocalPointRadio.org and on the Focal Point app. Well, today's message reminds us to set our minds on the good things God brings into our lives, but it's tempting to look at what God has given to others, and that's when a dangerous enemy creeps in. Pastor Mike?
1: Yeah, I do think one of the most destructive threats we're facing today, believe it or not, is envy. In an age of materialism and social media, envy has crept into most of our daily lives. And whether you know it or not, it's damaging our relationships, it's rotting our culture from the inside out. Envy, it's an insidious and pervasive sin, but thankfully there's hope. I wrote a new book called Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had to show you how to overcome this corrosive sin and live a contented and joyful Christian life. By understanding how we as Christians are meant to live, you're gonna discover how to truly rejoice with those who rejoice. In my book, I explore biblical truths that are gonna help you shore up your heart and your mind and close those gaps that leave us vulnerable to Envy's temptations. Learn how to live well and read my new book, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. Dave's
0: gonna explain how you can get your copy. Thanks, Mike. You can request a copy of Pastor Mike's brand new book when you make a generous donation to Focal Point. Pastor Mike dedicated a lot of time researching this topic, and he's sharing his findings in his newest book. So call or go online to make a one-time financial gift or to become a monthly Focal Point partner and request your copy of Envy at focalpointradio.org or call us at 888-320-5885. Or if you prefer, you can send your donation and request Pastor Mike's newest book by mail. Our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to listen tomorrow for part two of the message, Managing Your Emotions and Taming Your Tongue. That's Thursday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here.
1: Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to FocalPointRadio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike, or send me a note on Facebook.com slash
0: Pastor Mike, or Twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.